Welcome to the Balancing Busy Podcast, where I help time-starved business owners cut their hours without losing income, dropping the ball with clients, or hurting the customer experience. I'm your host, Leah Ramelay. Since 2009, I've built six and seven-figure income streams while working part-time hours. This is possible and you are capable, so let's jump in. We are going to be diving into this episode, and I have Celeste Mergens, who is someone that I personally absolutely admire and have loved learning from. So Celeste, I'm so excited you're here. And I'm also just so excited for everyone to absorb your wisdom. I feel like wisdom is one of those things that is a little harder to explain, a little harder to to quantify. And yet we all ultimately want that wisdom. And you are someone who I truly believe is just wise. So I'm so excited you're here. Thank you. That means the world. This will be great. So as you and I were talking beforehand, we were talking about what, what we could truly help with. We, we talked Mm -hmm. about this idea of being unapologetically focused, which I'm so excited to dig into before we before we dig into that though will you share a little bit of your story and your journey and just help people get to know the amazing woman they are getting to listen to (laughs) well I don't know about that but I could tell them this amazing journey I've been on you know when I was uh younger and raising our children I thought I'd made a choice that I was choosing between being a mom of six amazing humans or being a professional. And and I was content with that, though I always yearn to stretch my wings even more. It is the most challenging, rewarding job in the world to get to be a mom. So I I was okay with that. I thought I'd made my decision. And I'm so grateful that life proved otherwise, that I got to have my cake and eat it too. It's kind of a lovely, lovely thing. And here's how it happened. I've been helping a friend in Kenya and helping her community project in school and specifically looking for self-sustaining ways to help them help themselves. In the process, I was introduced to an orphanage in school in the slums of Kibera nearby in a place called Dagoretti. And we were so smitten by the children we just had to help. And it turned out to be especially difficult as post-election violence happened in 2007 and eight, you may remember half a million people were displaced. Suddenly there were 1400 kids in this space and no amount of help we could do could give them all that they needed. And then I learned that they were sitting on a piece of cardboard for days during their periods. That girls had to miss school, that girls were going without resources they needed for days limited in the room. And we knew he wanted to help that. And so we made the first washable Days for Girls kits. And that led me on this pathway to the program Days for Girls. Today, Days for Girls has reached 2.5 million women and girls and people with periods in 144 countries on six continents. And we have been able to do that through a volunteer network that is all over the world, through enterprises that are in the communities themselves. And who would have guessed that something that we don't even want to talk about, managing menstrual and health, is 
is something that was limiting them so that they couldn't have the fullness of their days, so that they couldn't um, have all the dignity and health that they so deserve every day. And I'm so grateful that that moment happened of awareness. And I could tell you one of the moments was when we got to the school, we were passing out the first washable menstrual kits that we made. Um, and the girls explained, thank you so much. Because before you came, we had to let them use us if we wanted to leave the room and go to class. And I was hoping that didn't mean what I feared it meant. It turned out they were being sexually exploited in exchange for a single disposable pad. That was the moment Days for Girls was born. So Days for Girls, I, I want to back up just a moment because yes. I think often one of the things like what you have done with Days for Girls is so incredible. And I think we can look at people and we can say, well, they are capable of doing something like that. They have the special skill, the special ability. And I just, I just want to mention and point out, you are this stay-at-home mom who has been raising kids out of the workforce for, I'm guessing, somewhere around 20 years, mm -hmm. maybe more. And you find yourself saying, I, I want to do something. I want to help. And you, you start doing some volunteering, doing you know, dusting off the, the college education and, and doing some helping. And, and this emerges into this idea of, of saying, I, I want to make a difference. And I mean, we're not talking like a, a, a minor difference. You're like trying to change the globe and, <laughs> and you set out to do this and, and you do, I mean, you have helped in 144 countries. You have traveled the world multiple times you have a ted talk you've been featured on oprah like and a million other outlets so how did you find the the gumption maybe to to go for this and to believe that you could do this isn't it amazing i find it amazing too i i really have to call it a gift and the gift for me came from a long, long time ago. And to me, it's such a miraculous example of how things that are hard can turn out to be a great thing. So I was a child who was hungry growing up. I was a child who was without a home at times growing up. I even had to go without water sometimes growing up. And that's so uncommon. And I once had an experience, I was like five years old, going off track a little bit here. I was about five years old. I was, um, we were living at a state park at the time on our way to other places. We would just kind of camp out a little and, and just be moving on until we found a place to land. And I was walking along a pathway and I remember the sidewalk was warm on my feet and it was kind of sparkly with the sun. And into my view walks this little dog with a rhinestone collar and the collar sparkled all the way to her hand this woman that in the hand held a half-eaten apple and I hadn't eaten for a little bit certainly not an apple and she threw it into the dumpster by me and I'm standing there because I was just five so I wasn't very big and looking to see could I climb in and get that and still get out and I had just decided I couldn't when I got that feeling you know at the back of your neck that someone's 
staring at you and I looked at her and she was giving me this look this up and down look and then she said where are your shoes girl and I said I'm toughening my feet <laughs> and, and in that moment I could see that when she looked at me she saw someone who was dirty someone who was unkempt and and barefoot and and in that moment I also felt not only ashamed, but this wave of whispering that you are, am I this? Are you? Are you the homeless girl? Are you the girl who is hungry? Or are you more than that? And I truly got what I didn't see as a gift. At the time, I thought of her as Corella DeVille, and I'd replay it over and over again. <laughs> but I recognize now, I got the gift as a five-year-old to answer the question and say, I am not. I am not this place. I am not these circumstances. Though for me it was, I am not. We are all so much more than that. And that message really permeated through the rest of my life that I want everyone to know. We are not our circumstances. We are so much more than that. So when this happened, when this happened and the message was we wait in our rooms, when the message was, we don't have enough and we have to let people use us, I was lit on fire. There was nothing I wouldn't do to move that mountain. And it felt so doable. I remember a, um, a consultant came, a friend of mine came to a board retreat and we were sitting there and she goes, okay, let's go over. It was our very first one, 2012. Let's go over this. What do you want to set as your measurable, achievable next goal? And I said, we'll have 20 chapters. She goes, good, good. Okay, how many do you have now? And I said, one. She goes, okay, that, that seems like a big, big stretch. And she goes, so what is the overall goal you want to go after? And I said, every girl, everywhere. And she said, let's define measurable and achievable. <laughs> Here's what I knew. If you could listen, if we could all listen and find out what is workable, what they need, what they want, create conversations about it, draw everyone in, other agencies, it wouldn't just be Days for Girls, it would be a movement. And that is what I knew. And it is what has driven me. When you have a vision of anything, that sets you on fire and you go, oh, that. With every cell in my body, my soul, my intellect, that happening in our lifetime, that can happen and I want that. This whole ball of things that had happened in my life from studying sustainable solutions to caring passionately about people not relating to poverty as a definition, but only a circumstance that can change all added up to a personal commitment to not just do it myself, but to invite the world to make a change and to tenaciously focus on that and also be willing to be flexible for the sake of understanding that the power of we is far greater than ever the power of me could be. All of that came together. Oh, so good. Okay. Okay. I want to ask you about how does being 
unapologetically focused and flexible work together. Like how, <laughs> how does that, right? Like, cause you can, you could get this idea that unapologetically focused means rigid. And yet when we get too rigid, we, we lose, we need to be able to, to pivot, to adjust, to, to be adaptable. So how, how do those work together? I love this question. Okay, so that, that is the trick. If you can know what the kernel of what you're after, for me, that is menstrual equity everywhere. People should have the fullness of their days. How are we letting this small thing cause so many impacts for community shame, stigma, limitation, when we can do this, right? And so for me, um, if that's your North Star, we're going to do this. And things would come up like, they really need light. So when they're walking to the latrines, they're not attacked, you know, that they feel confident at night. So they, and so they can study at night and, and you could get a little pop-up lantern for like a couple of dollars and we could put that in. And it's like, or you can focus, right? Because the, and, and to be able to focus and say, this is what we're doing. We also made the choice that different kinds of um, things that would draw us into controversy would not be something we, we are not one nation. We are not from one denomination. We're not religious nor anti-religious. We're not anything that would divide us. We are not that. So defining what you are not, as well as clearly what we are, we, for the sake of being Switzerland and being together for this getting done in the world, we are not focused on any of these other things. And people would try to draw us off, you know, it's women's health, so you should care about this. And this is like, this is where, we're focused, allowing everyone to come to the table around the globe. That's been really, really important, right? So being tenacious about that limitation at the same time, being willing to invite people to give their feedback and their understanding. We've had 33 versions of the Days for Girls paths. I remember some of the original ones. Like, so, right? so what people may not know is that my, my daughter, Gabriella, got really into days for girls when she was little. I mean, eight, I think. And so we mm -hmm. would go every month to volunteer and to make these kids. And Ella loves to sew. I can't sew for anything, but Ella was taught by her grandmas and she knows how to sew and she loves to sew. So she would bring mounds of stuff back home and work on them. And, and this has been, been something that, that we have done for years. And so I actually can remember like different variations of, mm -hmm. of these kits over the years as, as they've evolved. So, okay. So anyway, sorry. So, so, so the, of the kits. Right. And did you know, we hold two patents now for the genius of really? the design? Two, and that's not my genus. My first design was white, and who wants a stained pad hung outside, right? And my first design looked like a pad, which same, who wants to hang out a pad upstairs on their um, rafters or in their, um, in their lines? And the truth is that they needed to wash with a little water, dry quickly, not look like a pad, be colorful, none of those things we knew. But because we knew to listen to those we serve and serve with, we were able to get all this massive information about what they needed in curriculum for conversations, what they needed for uh, the design for the pads. Today, countries, Cambodia is piloting a master training of trainers with our curriculum. It has been important to distill the genius from all over by listening. So if you are not flexible enough, if I went, hey, this pad works, we have data girls are going to school now. 
and not keep listening, then it wouldn't be this beautiful, phenomenal design that it is today. So, so we stayed on, this is what we're doing. We stayed on tenacious, you know, will not let go of, we are listening to those we serve and serve with, which means, you know, from your daughter, you have to make the pattern, you print it off, cut it out, or you buy the template. And these meticulous people working so hard, imagine changing dozens of times, but it was always about our North Star for the girls. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about having what they need that works for them, period. So if you are sure of the kernel of what you're after, you're willing to surf, you're willing to watch, you're willing to acknowledge that you can fail forward. You can actually fail forward. You could call the other 32 ways failures you could, although some of them have worked for years. But in essence, you're failing forward. And if you don't allow yourself permission to fail, you cannot be in full creativity. You can't. It's so important that we are willing to stay wide open, stay focused on what our outcome is, and not expect it to be pretty, perfect, or wrapped up in a bow. That we can go, I'm going there. And it doesn't matter if there's little diversions, because that's where I'm going, and everything I'm learning is getting me there. That is tenacious flexibility with focus. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. We should coin that right now. I love it. Tenacious flexibility. I love it. With focus. Today's episode is brought to you by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is a management software that's going to help you manage projects, book clients, send invoices, and get paid. And you can do it all in HoneyBook. And my favorite part is it's beautiful. So you can customize and brand it and it's absolutely going to look gorgeous for your business so that your perceived value is exponentially better. I've been using HoneyBook for years for my private clients and it really is fantastic. I send contracts, I can see where I am in the customer journey and I can make sure that everything is in alignment and get paid. And you can get your first six months for only a dollar a month by going to HoneyBook, H-O-N-E-Y-B-O-O-K dot balancingbusy.com. Okay, so, oh, this is so amazing. So I, I have a couple questions I want to wrap up with. One is, are, for, for, the, for the woman who is listening, for the person who is listening and saying, I, I don't know what to be apologetically focused on unapologetically focused on. I don't know what my thing is. I don't, I don't know where to point myself. What, what would you say to them? Oh, follow your joy. We have in us always a little quiet certainty that are, if you will, powerful messages in our life flock. If you're feeling discontent about something, It doesn't mean you should throw it away. It means this is an opportunity to listen closer. If you are really excited about something, that's a message and you can listen closer. If something is very, very hard for you to do, then that's a message too. That's telling you that may not be your zone of genius. So unless you feel on fire to take it on, you can use your energy to push the rock up the hill. In my experience, when it lifts you like a sail, instead of being a rock to push, let go of the rock, 
So when Days for Girls started, I had been working on something called Project Thrive for the orphanage. And it was going well. It was lots of good things about it. But it honestly felt like I was pushing a rock forward. Everything I did with Days for Girls pulled quickly forward. And I was trying to hold both. And then one day I recognized that one was lifting and the other wasn't. And I let go of the thing that I had been working on that I felt passionate about, set it down and focused on Days for Girls. It just pulled me. So I, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning excited to get started for 13 years. I, I, I'm so excited every day. Woo, now what do we do? And I can just be quiet in the morning do that prayerful meditation of what's next and write down and have my list. And then I just love it. When you have found the things that pull you forward, go for it. If there are pieces of that journey that are not your zone of genius, there are other people that love that. There are people that love spreadsheets and accounting. There are people that love scheduling things. And if you don't, Bless the person that does and lean more into your zone of genius. And it is like magic. And that's the power of teamwork. And I think certainly as Days for Girls as an organization, it's been trusting people to lift with their gifts and leaning into mine. But it's also, I think it's true of everybody's day to day. If we can just stop and, and listen to what is lifting us and what is a rock we're pulling and allow others to hold the pieces that aren't your zone of genius, then you get to live all genius. And that is a magical, beautiful thing that's completely possible. Doesn't mean it won't be hard. It just means it will lift you and you'll know that you're on the path that will change your whole life and help you live to your fullest purpose. Mm, I love that so much. I love that so much. And something that I was thinking about as you were sharing this was that we can infuse more joy into our daily life and into our tasks. So depending on the season that each of us are in, there are seasons that are not nearly as much fun as other seasons, right? And, and you and I kind of chatted about this, right? Like the season of changing diapers, maybe not as much fun as as when they're able to wipe themselves and go to the bathroom. Themselves. And so we can look for and try to find, how do I make maybe some of the things that I don't enjoy as much, but are, are important, bring more joy to that. I, I didn't love making dinner in the early years and because it felt like a chore, like, oh, I'm just making dinner because I have to feed everybody. And so I, I tried to look for how to infuse joy into that. And I said, you know what? I, I, I'm not a drinker, but I love sparkling cider. And so I get out my wine glass and I pour my sparkling cider and I sip while I'm cooking. And I started looking for making things that were more fun for me versus, um, you know, just like easy. And so it was actually harder. It was more complicated. I love making pan sauces and, and using fresh herbs and, and going a little more complicated, but it brought me more joy. And it was, it was a simple way to make something that, that, that brought me to that North star, right. Which was family time, being present, having this time together, but making the whole process of it a little bit more infused with joy. So I was just thinking about that as you were saying, and I too have had that same experience of realizing there are things that I have had to just let go of. And it was hard. 
I mean, true identity crisis happening over letting some of these things go because I felt like, but this is who I am and realizing it's not serving me anymore. I, in order to serve to a greater capacity, I have to be willing to let go of this and be open to, to that next thing, which, which can be so scary. Um, okay. My final question for you, because I just, I, I have to hear your words of wisdom on this. You have been a mother. You are a mother. You are a grandmother. You, um, and you have done so much. What would you say to, to all of us who, who are, are just a little behind you and we're trying to do it all. We're trying to be it all. And, and sometimes it just feels like it's too much. And, and I feel like we need to listen to that, but like, what, what advice would you give us? Where, where are we going to, to just be best served in this whole journey of trying to make our impact and change the world and raise these beautiful babies and, and all the things? Oh. Isn't it a joy at the same time, the hardest thing you've ever done? Laundry. Laundry was the bane of my existence. It turned out that if you just delegate that to your kids, what a concept. I wish I'd done that earlier. (laughs) I wish I'd done that more. I also am so grateful for all the times that I just let it focus on my family and let the dust be quiet. I love organization. And I'm so glad for the times I prioritized them, the park, the picnic, the time together over that for me. And I also fully am testimony that there's more life to come. Like you, you can live full out where you are, love every moment, and just lean into this precious time. The results are these amazing human beings that are your best friends that grew up to be all different in who they want to be. And you just love talking with them and seeing the impact they're having in the world. Best joy of my life are those things, not the awards, not the, it, it's them. So I'm so grateful for the gift of them and that season. And so I would say trust, trust that you, if you're present in the now, If you show up where you need to show up, trust me, I was writing things till late at night after they went to bed and I would wake up early, a practice I still do, so I could fit things in before they got up. And I didn't always get the balance right. Often I didn't, but I know that they know they're loved. And and I think respecting ourselves and respecting them is just a big part of that balance. And I would say also, if I may, respecting yourself is a big part of it. So for me, I was raised in a household that had so much swirling anger and discontent. And I knew that I didn't want that in my household. So for me, when the children got upset or harsh raised voice at me, I would literally, I knew my boundary. Like, no, that's not happening in my home. That's not the way it's going down. If I got emotional and I would say, okay, mom needs a timeout <laughs> and go in my room and go because I was sure what my boundaries were about that. And, and I would literally say, wait, was that attitude? Because it sounded like attitude in our family. We talked to each other with respect. So maybe rewind that for a minute. Come on. Okay. Try it again. I'm waiting to hear. 
literally knowing the environment I wanted us all to grow in. And, and that, that, that surety, this is what I want our outcome to be. This is what I expect to have happen at the end of the day, that you and I We'll go through this time together knowing we are loved and respected and can count on each other. And that's the bar we're setting, period. That has been a joyful thing to watch become generational mm -hmm. and the joyful things. So I would say sometimes it's hard to know, and this follows to what we said earlier, knowing your boundary, knowing your expectation, knowing your joy, like what would I love? And focusing more on what would I love and seeing that future and then going, wait, 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 that's out of alignment with the future I love already. I knew with Days for Girls that every girl everywhere period was completely possible. A world that didn't have to pay for periods, but actually had joy in what's possible because of them was possible. And I knew it. I was just walking towards that day. We can use that in every aspect of our life. You know, this may sound like contention between you and I, pre-teener, but the truth is I know the outcome. You are amazing. This is hormones. We're walking this way, right? I have found such joy in knowing the things I would love. And guess what? They happen. <laughs> I'm so grateful to be living proof of that. Oh, I love it so much. I I think my last takeaway from what you just said was just as you had your North star for what days for girls was going to be, no one was going to have to suffer because of a period, everyone there, period equality, everyone, everywhere, period. That was the mission. And you had this North star to focus and I'm, and I'm hearing that. And I'm like, yes, we can set that same North star within our families. And I know one that I set when mine were very, very little was you will be best friends. You are each other's best friends. And we have come back to that over and over and over. And when there was the contention, when there was fighting, you know, I'd bring it back to everyone else will leave. You are together forever. They, they are, these are the only people who will ever know everything you've been through closer than anybody else could like the, and bringing them back to that. And it's been beautiful. The relationship that as we're at teenagers now, right? And the relationship that they have as teenagers is absolutely incredible. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't realize what I was doing, but I set that North Star of, I want you to know that you have each other no matter what forever. And, and so I love that thinking about for each of us, what, what is that North Star that we're after for our families? And, and then focusing to craft an experience that brings you closer and closer to that. So beautiful, so amazing. Oh, thank you so, so much for being with me today and sharing your insights. It's been absolutely incredible. You are a treasure. You absolutely are a treasure. So thank you. Thank you. This has been a delight.